Excuse me, while I continue my drinking. I was going to have a wine, but then I thought, nah, I was <laughs> rough this morning. Rough. You were so drunk. Like, see, after the film, I was like, I'm either going to vomit or I'm going to fall asleep. One of the two. We should go on a wine vacation where we just go to vineyards and drink wine. That sounds amazing. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to How Bad Can It Get? We watch the most critically condemned movies so you don't have to. This episode we're going to talk, uh, is uh, Sleepwalkers. It was certainly something else, but I had great fun. It was wild. The people that are in this film, the amazing Alice Krieg. Oh. I love her so much. She's like so hauntingly beautiful. She's got the most amazing voice. Um, you've got uh, Machen Amick, who was in my favourite TV show, Twin Peaks. And you've got Brian Krause from Charmed. So those are like your main people. But then you've got like Ron Perlman has a small part. You've got Glenn Shaddix from Beetlejuice and Heathers. And then... It's the cameos that totally blew me away because you had John Landis, uh, Stephen King, Toby Hooper, Clive Barker, and Mark Hamill. So it actually was Mark Hamill then? I was like, that man looks like Mark Hamill's brother or something. <laughs> what was he? Yeah, I, wild, wild. But that many people and seeing Toby Hooper and Clive Barker and Stephen King in the same film, I was just... That's wild. As a young horror fan who idolised these guys, how did I not know that this was a thing? Even watching it, funny enough, like I wouldn't have recognised them. If you had said who they were and what their film was, I would have been like, oh. What we should do is probably give a brief summary. I found a really good one online, which explains the film better than the, the film actually explains itself. <laughs> um, So... I found this online and I'm stealing the whole bit. So this is a summary of what sleepwalkers are. They're a nomadic race of vampiric shape-shifting werecats. They possess magical powers. Among their gifts is the ability they can call dimming, which is to make themselves and any other object in their presence invisible to sight. The only two known members of the species are Mary and Charles Brady, the two main antagonists of Sleepwalkers. The whole summary of the film is basically this mother and son, a really old race, um, and they're supposedly, or as far as her son believes, uh, the only two left on the planet that they know of, even though his mother says that she senses that there are more of them. They also feast on the life energy of young virgin girls in order to maintain their youth and their strength. If that doesn't sound weird enough for you, the film is weird. Ah, so weird. We start off with a scene. Police officers are investigating a, a death and they go into a house and the house is like this old house. And I think one of them says, an officer says something like, it looks like somebody hasn't lived here for a hundred years. And then somebody else goes, well, they have though. <laughs> <laughs> they have been people living here. And I was like, oh, he's like, oh. So they go in, they check out this house and then um, usual kind of scary film trope where uh, they open a door and a dead body basically falls out. And the way they make the clear that this is a young woman's dead body is they made sure that she had braces <laughs> and then we go into present day and we meet mary and i say christopher his name was mary and charles yeah son and mother uh, who are sleepwalkers they live together and basically they want to go and suck the life out of young virgins and mm -hmm. It's Brian Krause's character, Christopher. It's his job to go and do this on behalf of his mother for some reason that is never explained. We don't know why she doesn't do it herself, but hey, that's no. fine, whatever. And the introduction to him and his mother is the grossest thing ever. So you meet Chris and he's like 
sitting in his room, you know, like being all like lovesick, <laughs> staring at somebody's photo in like a yearbook or something. And he's all like, ah, ah, hmm, ah. And he's like, Tanya, <laughs> Tanya. And he like basically cuts a T into his arm. And then there's like, Tanya. And then he goes downstairs to see his mother. And there's music playing. That piece of music is what Stephen King, I believe, said was his uh, inspiration for the film, for the screenplay. No way. Well, they're dancing to some music and he's like, dance with me. Like, you love dancing and all. Uh, And starts dancing with his mother. And you would think, oh, that's innocent and all nice. He's just like dancing with his ma in the kitchen. How lovely. And then you're just like, oh, that's they're very close aren't they oh oh no oh no 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 they're too close they're way too so close that we shortly after that see their naked bodies on top of each other making love so this film does not split hairs it does not make the point um it doesn't hint at incest it's basically like yep this mum She's doing her son. That's how this is. But there doesn't seem to be any reason for that. The one thing that this film really fails at is it opens up and there's a title card that briefly describes what sleepwalkers are. So gives the points that Jess says and then says at the end, it's highly believed that they they are the source of the vampire legend. The ideas that are behind this film are cool and B-movie, but still cool and fun. But nothing's explained. You don't understand why certain things are happening. It's just like no thought went into it. And one thing that I said to Jess when we were watching it was, I always get confused when I see films like this that have such humongous plot holes. So many people worked on this film. Did someone at some point not say, but wait, why did this happen? So, uh, yeah, you've got the son. He has to go out and get the virgins to bring them back to the mother for her to suck the life out of them. Why? Why doesn't the mum take part in it? And why this whole cat and mouse chase when they can turn, literally turn themselves invisible and turn any other object around them invisible? It, it, It just... That's a big old plot hole that I was like, how how are you explaining this? Alice Krieger's character could literally follow a virgin down an alleyway, become invisible, go up, stab her a few times, suck the life out of her. The girl would never have seen her coming. Anyway, anyway, that's that's kind of the point that I mean. That's just one example of where I was like, these plot holes are so big. How did no one notice it? Despite that making this a bad film, it also made it so much fun because things would happen and you would just go, what? Yeah, why? What? Why is this <laughs> happening? It's so weird. It's so yeah. weird. There's like, so we met Charles and his mother. They had sex. And then we meet Tanya, the love and interest. Things escalate pretty quickly. And all of a sudden, there's really over-the-top violence that came out of nowhere. The first bout of violence as well was um, a really odd scene that that made no sense at all because it was like, um, we're introduced, there's a a, a school scene where Charles is actually talking about his actual history. Yeah, it's (laughs) like they had a project to do about make up a story. And he was like, I've got a story for you. I'm going to tell you exactly what I am and here's all the exposition in the world. Yeah, yeah. So this is, and I'm so lonely because we're so lonely because, you know, uh, people don't understand us. Yeah, but don't people don't understand you because you're like killers. Like, you suck the life out yeah, of virgins. Yeah, you suck the life force out of people. And the teacher who uh, is the actor, he's been... Only thing I've ever seen him in is Beetlejuice. He was in uh, Heather's... He's He's been in loads of things. You'd right. recognise him from other things. It's Glenn, Glenn Shaddix, his right. name is. Um, but in Beetlejuice, he plays the um, designer. The yeah. decorator, I think. The, What's the, his yeah, name? The architect or whatever. I forget what his name is, but he's great. And he's in the table scene, the um, 
The yeah, so he's now, his name is Mr. Fellows in this, and he's the teacher. Is it not Mr. Fallus? Oh, is that f- not the joke that they make? Oh, it is Fallus. I thought it was Fellows. <laughs> he, for some reason, takes an interest in Charles, even though Charles is only there, like, a day. Like, he's not been there very long at all. No, well, not a day. He's been there a while, but not long enough. For, and I had no reason for this teacher to take such an interest in where he came from. In a creepy way, because he's yeah, staring really at him through way. the window yeah, and following so him. And, yeah, yeah it's for, and there's no reason there's no reason for him to do this, but he does. And Charles is just driving along in this cool car and he's in his mini behind him and decides to like flag him down, like beep his horn. So for some reason Charles decides to pull over. And he comes up to him, he's all like, I know you, I got your number, like, you're not even who you say you are, you've not, you don't, you hope, you're not from where you're from and everything. And Charles thinks he's trying to do a shakedown, like, and make him pay for it. And he's like, I can't be bought. And I was like, what's the point of this? And the thing is, I thought they then. were going to come to a point where it was like, it would have made sense if Glenn Shaddix's character, Mr. Phallus, then said... <laughs> I know you're a sleepwalker. I know what sleepwalkers are. I'm a yeah. sleepwalker hunter. I'm after you. But that didn't happen. No. The entire reason that he chased them down is it was like, ah, uh, the place that you said you came from doesn't exist. I looked into it. Firstly, why would you look into yeah, that? Yeah, why would you? If you've got a new student, why would you go, oh, this person's from that place. I'm going to research that before the days of the internet where I actually have to put in some effort. Yeah. And then he's like, no, everything you're telling us is a lie. How dare you? And he's just followed this guy in his car and forced him to pull over. It's like, what? Why? Why? It made no sense. And it, was the, for, it wasn't even like, this is like the second time like they've come to blows or whatever. It literally is straight off the bat. He's like, you're dodgy. And I know you are. And Charles is like, that nicety, that like nice... Uh, facade that he had obviously comes to cockiness and like awareness of his he's that he's like I don't care that this person is beneath me type thing and it's just like straight away the violent the violence is just so funny because it like it goes from zero to not basically in like seconds so he puts out his hand and Charles just basically rips the hand, his hand off like it was nothing. And it like happens in the blink of an eye. <laughs> it's like, because I remember no it happened. I was like, did, did he just take did his hand? Just, it was hand off. <laughs> yeah, I pulled his hand off. <laughs> it was so And weird. he's just like, bah! And instead of getting back in his car and trying to escape, he runs into the woods. And I get it, he has one hand. Maybe he thought, I'm not going to be able to drive with one hand. But yeah. then Ben pointed out when we were watching it that, well, it's America, aren't they all automatics anyway? And I was and like, And the car uh... he was driving was an automatic. So you're looking so at it and going, It could have got away. He could have got away with he that. He didn't. And then he ran into the woods. And then there's just this really funny chase scene in the woods where like a tree magically appears in front of him and he gets knocks himself out basically. Um, then Charles obviously finishes the job. It's like he's high on like, like eating somebody that he like is like flying down the road and this police officer um, sees him and he's like, not on my watch and basically starts chasing him. So he does that. He drives off in his car and he's chasing him and it's all like he's got his cat in the car because the cat, cat's become a theme, big theme because it's the um only, only the cat's, uh, scratches are like deadly to them mm-hmm. which and, like, you find gives it really... them some kind of infection yeah it gives the sleepwalkers an infection that kills them but yeah. the introduction of this cat is so My favorite on the nose <laughs> basically so this cop <laughs> he's got this little cat that is allowed to drive about with him in his in his police car for some reason but okay and the first shot of this police officer is him with his cat the cat has a massive name tag on that says Clovis, the attack cat. And the cop is just going, Clovis, 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 Kill Clovis, 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 Kill it, Clovis. get Go the bad on, guy, Clovis. get the bad guy, Come on, Clovis. Clovis. <laughs> and that's not, that's not an exaggeration. Like, it's, it's just him constantly saying the name Clovis with zoom-ins on 
the name tag that says Clovis. So automatically you're like, well, I, I guess this cat's going to be somewhat important to what happens because they've made that very clear, yeah. which this cat is, and it's a wonderful heroic cat. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and then the cop chases after the son, and this is where we learn that sleepwalkers have many faces. So they've got their fake faces, which is when they look like humans. Then they've got a kind of a distorted human face with cat features. Yeah. They've got a big, their true form, which is like a big blob, the, like alien blob looking thing. <laughs> yeah, bloated but blob. It's weird. And so the cop drives up alongside the sun and he's like, pull over. And the sun turns to look at him and in an attempt to like mask his identity, his face morphs multiple times. So it morphs into like, I thought kid. I thought his face changing was a reaction to the cat seeing being the cat being there. Is that what it was? I thought he was trying to mask his identity, no, but no, I you're thought, right. I you think because right. he already gave him the finger, and he saw his face completely there, and then the cat popped up, and he was all yeah. like, "Bah, cat!" Um, uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, so I think I think he was like his like his body was freaking out to the cat, and was like couldn't couldn't exactly get a proper face. Mm. But then he like gets away from the police, the, the sheriff, and like that's when you find out that what the dimming is, or that they can hide themselves, so he can like basically turn himself and his car invisible, and he's sitting there invisible, and the the sheriff obviously stops at the perfect spot, like right beside him. <laughs> of course he does, and the cat can sense. That um that there's something there and he's all like Charles like basically shouting at the cat, I'm like, is the man deaf? Are yeah, it's like what are the rules of this? Yeah, dimming? what's the rules of dibbing? Like because the mean... rules are never made clear no, and they're constantly all. things happen. So like you've got the dimming which we understand now. Oh, they it can make himself and other things invisible. Yeah, but then when he uninvisibles himself and uninvisibles the car. It's a different car. Yeah. So not only can he make things invisible, but he can completely change their molecular makeup and turn yeah. them into something completely different. Like it in, a, in a different car, and you're just like, wait, what? So they can change themselves, but they can also change cars. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So why are they making this so difficult for themselves to yeah. get like kill people? Because this is like fairly easy. Like he was running after that man. I was like, you could have made yourself invisible, and like the man would have stopped him and like, oh, he must have left, and then mm -hmm. you could have just walked up to him and killed him. Mm -hmm. Fairly easy. There's just like no reason for them to do what they're doing. Yeah, and, then... and later on he says that he's worried that he was like, he says to his mum when he gets home, oh, they're gonna find the dead teacher in the woods and i'm mm. like well why didn't you just make him invisible yeah after you killed him why didn't you just make him invisible or morph him into a tree yeah or is that can you only do it for so long or something and then it doesn't which i think again. they do establish that they can only do it for so long anyway anyway we'll move on we'll come back to that we'll circle round so tanya brings charles home to her home and then she brings him into her room and like this girl's room is just like littered with her underwear. Her sexy lacy silky underwear is just like th like thrown like willy-nilly willy all over the place. Like she's got knickers on top of like picture frames. She's like flinging them away so he doesn't see them. But I'm like, I'm sorry. As a woman, like I don't throw my, my dirty or my clean underwear on top of picture frames on top of my cupboard. Like... And then I don't have them just like fucking flung everywhere. So she hasn't. So she's running around being like, "Ooh, don't let's don't see my sexy underwear." And, and you're like, used so to that in like some films. You would see that where someone comes yeah. into the room and they go, "Oh, my underwear!" So they grab that piece of underwear and move it, and that's the that's the gag over. With this, it doesn't stop. No, she's it's got everywhere. hundreds of items of underwear <laughs> all over this tiny little room. So it's. It's this, uh, the um, Charles's character walking around the room looking at items with her running around behind them trying to catch all of her underwear. You would expect like 
the soundtrack to be how many pairs of underwear can I grab in like 10 seconds it's so funny so they have their moment and our ma barges in like barges in to our room was like Tanya I was like oh my god I was like I would be raging if my ma fucking just launched herself through my fucking door and she's like oh and Tanya's like oh and I'm like, is it because you know what a fucking tip her room is that she's in there with a fella now and our knickers are everywhere? And she's like, come barges in to ask her something. And then obviously sees him. There's a bit of chit chat, shit chit chat. And then he leaves and they organize to see each other again. They're going to go to uh, Woodland, which is like a famous... Homeland. Homeland, sorry. I was like, Woodland. Homeland, which is like a famous place for like teenagers to go and have sex, which is in a, in a grave site, which is weird as Fuck. really weird like why is that the place that all these like teenagers are going to is like the homeland the whole film makes it out as if everybody else is like like the horniest little teenagers and she's just like pure innocent golden like everybody else around her are just like having sex everywhere yeah and she's and like it's, it's quite flower. grotesque as well like there's this scene of just some students walking out of high school and you've got like a girl mouthing a blowjob, the other girl being like, oh yeah, let's go get sexy and do things and touch things. And then you've just got a, did the, everything. This, this virginal character being like, what is a penis? It's <laughs> yeah. so weird. It's not surprising that Charles honed in on her as being the, like the pure virgin because everybody seems to know that she's the only yeah. one that hasn't had sex in that fucking, in that high school. So she brings him to ho- the homeland which is the graveyard. He's going to do some rubbings. There's a whole kind of innuendo about rubbing, you know. I've, I'm like, oh, I get it. You're so he lied to, yeah, he lied to her mum. Yeah, but I mean, as in, yeah, he lied to her mum just pretending that he knew how to do rubbings as well with charcoal or whatever. But I mean, there's a, rubbing is an innuendo in itself. And, he, and they go anywhere. She's like being proper flirty, like, so all this virgin innocence, I think she's just throwing it away. <laughs> For Charles, she's like, "This is happening. I'm bringing them to the whole land, the sexy time place in the graveyard. It's gonna happen today, before five p.m. Because our parents are really strict on her, and she had to be home by five p.m. Man, what teenager is told that they have to be 5 home PM. by five p.m.? Yeah, Nobody. that was a bit strict. It was like, yeah, be home 5 by PM. five p.m. Five p.m. And she's like, dot. all right, like, all right, ma, five p.m. And she was obviously getting a little bit testy about it. And I would too, because I'm like, fuck off, five o'clock is not, yeah. like, man, not even dark. It's like summertime here. So she goes anyways with him. And they start like rolling around in the grass as you do. Like, oh, that's another thing about this film. They love spinning. <laughs> They love like when the teacher shot. gets killed, just spinning. spinning. When they're rolling, they're rolling around the ground, the ground spinning. spinning. <laughs> so many spinning shots. So they were spinning around and like they're, you know, kissing and she's like really into it. And then he has, it's like he has a moment of like regret or something. Or it's like this tiny second where they make it as if maybe he's likes, actually likes her, really likes her and he doesn't want to harm her. Because he says to her, she's like wanting to, she's like ready for it. And he's all like, you don't really know me and maybe we should leave type thing. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe he's not going to do it. And then you think maybe he's changing his mind um, and doesn't want to hurt her. And he yeah, it's like they, they've kind of planted a seed and then they're just like, actually, you know what? Rip yeah. that seed back out. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, actually. No, no, no. no. Just make him evil. Maybe, yeah, make him evil. So he then starts attacking her and trying to suck out her uh her uh, her soul or her essence and um more violence occurs uh she get i i, I think they had must have had wine or something for some reason she had a cork so i was like did she have did they have wine they're only teenagers but really she weirdly, smacks wine. him like she smacks him hard on the head Work with her camera, camera and he falls on the ground and he's got blood all over his face but bear in mind that he's shown her his cat face at this point so she's mm. seen that he's a monster um, and he's and lying on the ground covered in blood freaking out and rather than be like oh he's down i better run she really slowly walks towards him and she's like charles charles are you okay and this scene is so wait, prolonged wait wait i kind of going... got that though i understood that though because i was like in the heat of it yes you want to get away but also if you think you might have killed somebody, you might kind of go, 
oh shit, I might have killed him. Like, Fair who's going to believe if it was me? A, if it was a human being, but yeah, you've but, just seen his face change and you've just felt him try and suck your true. soul out of your mouth. That's true. And he looks like a cat thing. Okay, so fine. You would, and also, <laughs> even if you'd thought true. you'd, even if you'd thought you'd killed, like if someone attacked you in a graveyard, if it was a human being and you knocked them unconscious, you'd run. You would just go, nope get me to safety and then I'll deal with the consequences because if I stay here the consequences could be my death so run away but anyway she gets away now it's worth noting that they drove to the graveyard in his car which had been changed as we said earlier he not only can make things invisible he can change things so he changed to a different type of car she comments on it and she's like why have you got this car what happened to the trans am why are you in this mm. and he goes oh it's a replacement while they're fixing my other car or something like that anyway really lazy so this car sat out there but while he's attacking her the car morphs back to the trans am to what it was before just in time for the police officer to drive by with his heroic cat at his side <laughs> sees the car recognizes it and stops so obviously that's a new thing about the dimming it can just stop being like it could just change at any point most likely it's going to change at the most convenient points <laughs> How nice wise. would that be, though, if he could just be like, my piece of shit car, turn it into a Ferrari. <laughs> I want a hamburger. <laughs> oh. So the police officer stops and she runs out after being attacked, sees him and she's like, oh, my God, help me, help me. And he's like, everything's OK. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. And then uh, the sun comes up behind him and hits him. Does he automatically take the pencil out? No, he literally just jabs him right in the ear with a pencil. Yeah, he takes the pencil, jams it into his ear, and the where did the pencil come from? Most... Oh yeah, sorry, they do the the the, the grave scratching. Yes. Thing. Oh, that's what it was. It was from the rubbing. Yeah, the rubbing. He takes his rubbing pencil <laughs> and jams it right jams in your it into ear. the ear, but. When the police officer falls, it's horrific because it just shows the side of his head thud into the ground and the pencil just drive itself in. It's it really ah. Uh, we made noises. We made a lion noise. Yeah. We were like <laughs> So then ensues a big old fight and the cat, Clovis, the officer's cat, jumps up and starts scratching the fuck out of him. Um, yeah, and obviously cool. being a sleepwalker, that's the worst thing that could ever happen. Mm -hmm. So Instant death. It, well, not instant, no. because he gets in the car and he drives back home, leaving the dead cop and... What's her name? The virgin Tanya. lady? Tanya. Leaving them and the cat. So that's, your, that's essentially your first half of the film. That's your first act. That's set up this big chase... So the things that we've learned, she's a virgin that they want. Yeah. He has now been scratched by a cat, so he's probably going to die. And then we've got Alice Krieger's character just sat at home making a pie. Mm. Um, beside then, raw chicken legs. Beside raw chicken. And also, I thought you ate souls. Yeah. Why are you eating a pie? And she's been saying that whole film as well, how hungry is she's like being hangry as... She's been like proper raging and I completely understand that if you're really hungry. But she literally, the whole, all she does say, all, uh, that's the one thing about her character that annoyed me. It was like our whole thing was like, I'm hungry. I am so hungry. <laughs> like, all right, somebody give her something. But um, And yeah. there's a scene earlier on before they go to the graveyard where uh, Tanya goes to the house and yeah. she's taken inside the house. So it's literally her in the sleepwalker's house with the mum and the son. No one knows that she's there. And they don't kill her. 
Yeah, they don't I didn't do get that anything. Either. They don't even attempt. They hint at it. She, like Alice Krieger, takes out some scissors and gets all choppy choppy. But it turns out she was just chopping a rose to put it in Tanya's hair. But it's like, nah, why didn't you just stab her in the back and suck her soul out? Why are we doing this dance? Eh. Yeah, it makes no sense. There's no like. There's no ritual idea or like ritual that they are like explain that the reason for why it can't be done within the home. And he didn't seem to want her to do it. Like as in like it seemed like she was like, oh, let's have her now. But he was like, no, no, we have a date. Yeah. We've got cheese and wine. The final half an hour of the film, we, we could probably go through it quite quickly because it's just mad. It's just <laughs> mad. And it it's nonstop. So you've got Tanya's back home with a police officer that's looking after her. Her mum and dad are there. Her mum and dad are the two, as the actor and actress that also played for Ferris Bueller's mum and dad in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which I found really fascinating. Um, and apparently they were also married in real life around about that time. So. Yeah, I, yeah I, I read that too. So she's back home. Alice Krieger, her son comes home, he's dying, and she's like, no. So she decides to go out of the house to hunt down Tanya. So, I mean, again, there's that question. Why didn't you just leave the house in the first place? Yeah. Also, she seems, like, super strong. So when she comes out of the house, there's, like, a lot of cats again. So, like, swarming of cats is happening. Um, and she gets out, and she comes out invisible. So, like, people, are, the two police officers are just standing there, like dumbstruck about why the door opened on its own and they and they can hear something but they don't understand what's going on which is fair I think anybody would be in that situation be like I don't understand what's going on there's a ghost <laughs> um, so they're standing there and they're like who's there who's there like not guns raised or anything just like hanging about like arms just like like who's there like what's going on and then she uninvisibles herself, so they must not be able to do anything strenuous while invisible because she becomes visible again and basically like kills both of them really quickly and then steals the car and then goes after Tanya and then gets there and basically uh, rings the doorbell as invisible. And then her father, and then the police officer goes up to see. So the, it, all this makes no sense because she could have just killed the police officer. The police officer looks at the door, there's nobody there, goes back. The doorbell rings again. Her father this time goes and answers the door. I have no idea why she didn't just go in the attack straight away. But she, he, she's not invisible anymore. She's got flowers in her hand. Don't know where the hell she got these roses from, but she had time to stop off and get roses. And she's like, oh, Charles wanted to come himself, but he's not well, you know. And our father's like, Go away, you crazy woman. You're yeah, he's like, Charles attacked yeah. my daughter. Why he's are like you here? He's like a rapey boy. Because at this yeah. time as well, they all just think, they think they don't they don't know that he's like some sort of creature. They think that he tried to rape her. Well, or at least her parents, and some of them do. Some of them think she bloody well basically deserved it. Was your man, Ron, what's his name? Captain Ron Perlman. Perlman, yeah. But yeah, Captain something, uh, Soames or something like that. Him, he basically is like, um, saying like, oh, like I'll like she needs to relax and all, and that like yeah, he's like not... she was probably asking for it. Yeah, so probably asking He's for your it. typical absolute douche like, that you're like, okay, oh, well, when's God. he gonna die? Which yeah. he does. He does yeah, die. He like said something like he's got he, he, if she if she tries to say anything, I'll slap her on the arse or something. And I was just like, oh, I hope you die horrifically, which he does. So. She comes with flowers, literally just jabs, like smashes the flower glass into the father's face. So he's like, got like glass cutting out him. His wife obviously goes, oh my God, uh, and tries to stop her. She gets launched out the window. Uh, the My favourite, hands down, my favourite death. I thought you were going to forget about this. The so good, good. whole film. My, I can't forget it. So the police officer that was in there obviously is like, holy shit, this woman's on steroids or something, um, runs to make a phone call uh, to tell the police officers uh, from the, sh the sheriff's station to get over there because the woman's crazy and is killing everybody. And she's just like waltzes up behind him as cool as can be, picks up uh, um, what's left of um, corn, uh, corn the cob, 
uh, that was on a plate that the officer had been eating and jabs him in the back with it and kills him with the corn and the cob and basically says something like, oh no, you're not supposed to have your sweets before you eat your dinner or something. Like, it was a really weird line and she was just so, ca- so like, cool about it. She was just like, jabbed, corn and the cob, Can't, you shouldn't be eating anything else unless you finish your dinner. No sweets I mean, I'll give it you. that. Like, that's an inventive weapon. Like, <laughs> I've never, I never would have thought I'd see the day like, where someone stabs someone through the spine with corn on the cob. It was great. Yeah. So the daughter comes downstairs and she's like, what's going on? Oh no. And Alice Krieger goes, you have almost killed my son. I'm taking you with me so that you can save him. So it basically implies that if the son sucks her soul out, he'll be safe now and he'll be cured, whatever. Mm-hmm. So she takes him away. This is where that she takes her away. This is where my favourite part of the film happens. So she kills Ron Perlman, deserves it. I love Ron Perlman. That character was an arse. Uh, yeah. And then, she bit off his fingers, right? Yeah, she bit off his fingers. And then I think, did she not stab him in the eye as well? There was a lot of eye stabs. And then two cars pull up and she's gotten a police officer's gun and she like shoots the two cars, like one shot each and they both explode. <laughs> that's, the, that's the bit I was going to say. That's my favourite bit. She shoots the back windscreen, the, uh, the rear windows of two police cars and they explode. And not just like a little bit, they full on explode. Yeah. That was my favourite bit. It came out so of absolute funny. nowhere. Alice Krieger looked badass and I was like, you know what? Yep. She was like, you pew, 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 I, I, I believe you. That could happen. <laughs> if Alice Krieger can kill a guy with a corn on the cob through the spine, she can shoot some glass and it'll blow up. <laughs> and then she, so she gets in the police officer, the sheriff's car again, dragging poor Tanya with her, gets her back to the house. The house is covered in cats. So she's like, oh shit, what do I do? Because they're literally, they're on the roof. They're in the garden. They're all over the doorstep. So she decides the smartest plan is to just ram the house with the car. <laughs> so making a big hole in the house, obviously. Uh, oh man, I love actually every bit of that because there's so so many funny bits in this scene. So she does that anyways, drags your one Tanya out. And it's all like, look at my poor boy. It's my poor boy. And Yoantani is absolutely like losing her mind because it's just like, what is happening? She's screaming. And then she gets and she's just like, oh, he loves to dance. He loves to dance. So then she just looks up in the sky like, and it's all like, <laughs> manages to turn on the vinyl. Like that's in a different room. So that's a new power that just got thrown. Uh, Telekinesis or something. Yeah. No, what's that? Yeah, we'll go with that. But basically she can move objects for her mind that, has not been put in the film at all until this moment. They love establishing rules. Like, this <laughs> film like is basically them going, ah, but then this needs to happen. <laughs> That's one of their powers. Specifically, they can turn records on. Yeah, That's just it. that. So she turns that on, and then she's able to make him move. Even though he looks well, pretty dead. Well, you think that's what she's doing. No, she is doing that. She's definitely doing it at the beginning. And then he, like, wakes up when he needs uh, to. So he wakes so... up after the fact. Because yeah. you think, oh, she's yeah. using her telekinesis to make him dance. Because yeah, his face changes. he wakes up. Yeah, because he face. Yeah. So, so she basically, what she does is she, like, forces Tanya to dance with his, like, lifeless body. Mm-hmm. And he's got, like, his face is all mangled. And he's, like, half human half whatever the species are they they are and he's like arms are like hanging on her and she's just like freaking out and like she's like bah, bah, like like just doesn't want to be there and uh, he wakes up to then start trying to suck the life out of her but at the same time um a police officer comes gets in the house through the door but bars through the door uh and comes in and obviously Try to stop Mary. This happens just as all of the cats oh, yeah, enter the house. So where Alice Krieger has like smashed the car into the yeah. house, the first thing that we said when that happened, it was like, but now the cats can get inside. <laughs> you smash the car into the house to avoid the cats that are outside, but now they're going to get in, yeah. which they do. And they all start, but like they start attacking her, but she like literally at one point, she just like starts like basically like, crushing cats in her hands like this and some of them are trying to get her it's really sick <laughs> yeah and it's so funny so this is all happening and then tanya 
and one of the police officers trying to get out through the door but then she stops them but then what happens is is that Clovis like super cat comes with your man the other other police officer the older man with the shotgun and then Clo- that's when Clovis like is pointed out and then he jumps into action and then he climbs up the wall into the house doesn't even go through the open bit of the house instead climbs up the house smashes in the window <laughs> even though there's like half the house has been like smashed in by a car <laughs> the cat climbs up the house and smashes in the window to come in and basically does a proper blow remember tier one mary and she's all like freaking out yeah and then tanya tanya uses that as a an escape basically it runs out and then your Rather man than using the front door which is lying I, open like what yeah. what the fuck like and the then, police officer guy with the shotgun just shoots come in the, with the shotgun yeah. through the front door leaves the door open tanya's right next to that door and rather than going i'll just nip out here then she's like yeah. right i'm gonna run upstairs and try and crawl out of a broken window that some cat oh. like come on hen just turn it's around. so funny so she she like gets out anyways and then she he he shoots her one in the stomach with a shotgun. He like she like picks him up and flings him away. Then she morphs into her true form, which is the big bubble alien monster thing. Yeah. Then they end up outside in the front of the house. Yeah. Yeah. He shoots her. She throws him for miles. He yep. comes up, tries to attack her, but she lifts him up and slams him down on the garden <laughs> and fence. And then she like splashes through the window to get Tanya again. And like is trying to drag Tanya out, but you can see her like literally her arm being like cut open by the, the window. And then what happens is Cloves comes to the rescue again, launches himself at her, and then all the other cats then do the same thing. And like then she starts to go on fire. Like it's like her skin, like every scratch makes her skin go on fire. Like the cat's nails are like matches or something. Yeah. They're just like setting her on fire. And then she's just like a ball of fire. And then obviously Tanya's still in the car being like, what's going on? Um, she turns back into the human form, which I didn't get either. So like, what, what's the point of that? Because that's yeah. not her true yeah, face. Yeah. So why would she turn back? She turns back into her human form and then like jumps on the car bonnet and is all like, bah, you yeah, killed. She says, you killed my only son. No, you killed yeah. my son. My only son. son. And then like rolls off the car and just like basically like curls up on the ground and just dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's bad. And Tanya just sits there obviously covered in blood, hugging Clovis. Be like, be like, never let me, never leave me. <laughs> um, and that's the end of the film. That's the end. And my favourite part about that segment at the end was as there's this fight going on between Alice Krieger and the officer that eventually gets slammed down into this fence. That fight, probably about three minutes long. Uh, as that's happening, uh, Tanya is in the car with the keys in her hand Oh my trying God, yeah. to get the car started. But it's not that the car won't start. It's that she's just jangling the keys about going, oh my God, oh my God, for three minutes. Great, scary biscuits. Yeah, uh, I loved yeah, it. But yeah, I thought it was great. I could have done without the incest stuff. When I read about it, it was like the idea was that they you, they became incestuous to try and keep their species going. We happen to be the only ones of our species. So of course we're going to like become concubines concubines concubine, concubine. what <laughs> when did when did concubines come into it is that not what that means when people a concubine get that would be like an emperor <laughs> would have his concubines which would be oh. like his females that... what am i trying to say then i don't know what are you trying to say sexual partners yeah we'll go with that <laughs> Maybe somewhere in the multiverse, maybe a version of Sleepwalkers exists that actually makes sense. But in our timeline, that's not the case. And I'm so glad because I had so much fun. Uh, If it made sense, I wouldn't have had such a great time. I thought it was great. So Jess, I think it's time to rate that movie. We have three different categories. The first category is good for a laugh. Good for a laugh. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Second category is. 
guilty pleasure. I forgot what it was. Guilty pleasure. Third category is kill it with fire. Kill it with fire. Uh, so yeah, Jess, what would you rate Sleepwalkers? I would. I would say Sleepwalkers would be a. Would it be a guilty pleasure? I'd say guilty pleasure. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, get, I think. I, I, I think yeah. that. I think that wording also works. <laughs> With the yeah, film quite a yeah. bit. Because I guess it's a guilty pleasure that the mother and son are getting it on. But uh, yeah, I I just wish that Bart wasn't in it. I wish that arsehole Captain Guy wasn't such a sexist dick. And I wish she was um and I wish they weren't incestuous and then I would have been having I would have had no issues with the film. <laughs> yeah. I think um, I, yeah, it's one of those ones that you're like, well, when it comes to the two, like kill it, guilty pleasure or uh, good for a laugh, it's both. Yeah, it's it is both. both. It is but if both. I had to choose between both of them, I would go for good for a laugh. Yeah. Just because I laughed so much, I did it was laugh. so much fun. <laughs> it, it's I, when I think guilty pleasure, I do think of something that I would go back to regularly when I feel like oh, I'll go back to that film yeah. because it's a guilty pleasure of mine. This is a film that I said when we finished watching the film, this is the kind of film that I could imagine in four years' time. I would go, remember how funny that film was? I'm going to watch it again once enough time has passed that I've forgotten about I, it. I think I'd cha- I'm going to change mine to um, Good for a Laugh too because Guilty, I now saying it as well, Guilty Pleasure is like, you know, I think it doesn't work with this film at all. And I've because- got no guilt. No, I have I'm no, no guilt, guilt either. I like. I, I I'm had gonna fun be telling everybody funny. about this. Hundred <laughs> percent. All right, and next we have Jess and Ben recommends. <laughs> Jess and Ben recommend. So this is a new, uh, a new edition or a new segment we have on our podcast where Ben and myself are going to recommend films or TV series that we think are worth a watch. And my recommendation is Gold Digger, which is a mini series that was, uh, that was out in twenty nineteen, I want to say, and starred Julia Orma Ormond and Ben Barnes. The premise of the whole story is is that uh, her character, who's also known as Julia, uh, is a a, 60, a woman who just turned sixty, and she's very not very. She's like kind of lost in her life. She's turned sixty. She doesn't really have anything. Her children are all grown up. They have their own families, and she's a bit lonely. Um, and she's just recently broke up with her husband, and obviously you find out the whole backstory of that eventually. Um, and she meets a man called uh benjamin who's ben i think they just didn't uh, name wise they got very lazy on this but ben barnes uh, who plays ben benjamin who is a lot younger than her um i think he's meant to be in his early 30s uh the whole story is about their relationship and obviously you can gather from the name the premise that he's possibly a gold digger because he's a lot younger he's a very attractive man and now uh, obviously there's a whole drama that ensues because of her children being very close to his age and not being um very happy about their this new budding relationship with this man has with their mother and um, so that all ensues and you get a lot of it's very good though she's very good in it ben barnes is actually very good in it as well um he he plays characters as very broken and so is she. So they're both broken in very different ways. Um, and they yeah, they've come together. And um, yeah, the whole the whole thing is good. And oh my god, her, like one thing I love about it is like her house in it. She's got this old like Georgian house. I I don't know. It's Georgian. But it's a beautiful house that's in like the countryside, English countryside. I think north the northern north north of England. And then this guy kind of comes in and kind of like causes so much drama. And it's brilliant. That's my recommendation. Remind me what it's called. It's called uh, it's called Gold Digger, 
Uh, I think it's available. I think it's still available on BBC, I want to say. Okay. Oh, that sounds great. It's worth the watch. That's my recommendation. What's your Ben? What's yours, Ben? So mine is actually a video game. Uh, Oh, a video game? Yeah. So right off topic. My one is Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, And basically the reason that i chose this i'm a big i'm a big gamer i play a lot of video games and i wouldn't usually choose to recommend a video game just because i know that that's quite a niche thing but this one in particular is quite cinematic great story so it's set in tokyo in shibuya which is it's famous for the scramble crossing it's like that massive big um uh, zebra crossing in in the center of tokyo and one day this fog just rolls in over the city and everyone disappears. And you play this guy who's been taken over by a spirit. Um, so the guy has the spirit in his head telling him to do stuff. And you're walking about Tokyo that's now essentially haunted by hundreds and thousands of spirits. Um, and you're trying to exercise the spirits whilst also saving the souls of all of the people in Tokyo that disappeared and the whole setting of the game is amazing because they've recreated Tokyo and it looks incredible, it looks absolutely amazing Um, but it's little things that they do throughout the game, the entire city is just covered in people's clothing because as they've disappeared their clothing's just dropped off Um, and it's it's kind of got it's got a main storyline which is basically the the guy who's been taken over by the spirit is trying to find his sister who was hospitalized just before this happened. And it looks like she might be messed up in the reason that all of Tokyo has disappeared. Won't say much more than that. But if you're a gamer, I highly recommend it. It's great fun. If you just wanted to play it for the story, it takes about 10 hours. If you're like me and you like, if you're a completionish, a complete completionist that's the word ben if you're a completionist like i am i'm on 40 plus hours and i've still not completed it because i'm that i'm so engrossed in the world that they've created and the combat system's not amazing but it's really addictive because you're not fighting with guns or anything you're fighting with this ether spirit magic um so it's either wind fire or water that you're using You've also got a bow and arrow, but everything that you're doing, the character's doing with his hands. Um, it's like sending this energy uh, to try and exercise all the spirits. It's great. It's great. Nine out of ten. Uh, <laughs> nine out of ten. Ben recommend. Uh, yeah, but that was Sleepwalkers. Yeah. That was our first episode of season two. Uh, uh, you can watch the film. It's available on Prime. Mm-hmm. You can rent it for the cost, or at the moment, the cost is three forty nine. Or mm-hmm. if you love the film, you can buy it for four ninety nine. I wish I'd bought it. I, we were <laughs> sat there, and it was like it's three forty nine to rent it, fiver to buy it, and I was like, "Yes, should I should I just buy it?" And she was like, "Well, if you think you'll watch it again," and I was like, "Well, oh no, I'll just rent it." And when the film finished, I was like. Ah, I should have bought it. (laughs) (laughs) But I've still got it for another day and a half. I can watch it for another day and a half, so I'm just going to watch it as many times as possible. (laughs) Great. But, uh, I will not be watching it again. No, I, I'm, I'm completely lying. I'll probably <laughs> just find some other terrible film to watch. Uh, and maybe we'll end up reviewing that next week. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>